And I'm Hannah Hampton, and you're listening to HR After Hours. Well, glitter my socks and call me Michael. I am so excited to be with my <laughs> friend Hannah Hampton here today. Hannah, how hey, the hell are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing fan friggin' tastic. <laughs> uh, so I kind of warned you that, you know, as most of our listeners know, we do minimal prep here. And I think it yeah. definitely shows in our podcast. And of course, I mean by the spontaneity, not the quality of the podcast. Um, I But I'll warn Hannah, hey, I'm going to throw something at you, a curveball or something. Um, and so, Hannah, I'm going to do it right up front. So I'm going to okay. tell a really fast story. Okay. So as you, ha- our listeners probably know, Hannah and I, and we brought it up again last week, have a strict no politics on the podcast uh, <laughs> policy. Oh, she's giggling. She knows where it's coming. <laughs> I do. And, and let me tell you why this policy exists. Because no matter how similar mm-hmm. you think your beliefs are to the person that you're like, this is the one person I think I can discuss politics with. Yeah. It's never true. And there's, <laughs> there's so many reasons for that. But Hannah and I are somewhat like-minded individuals. Yeah. And uh, so we finished recording last week's <laughs> episode. And I have no idea how it happened. Or I don't either. Which one of us brought it up. But I wish the record button was still on because <laughs> we started with, with some very small political observations, things that, like, once again, uh, I I would assume, and I know Hannah would assume, that we both were seeing them, you know, 75% the same way. And I shit you not, we got into, I wouldn't call it an argument, but it was no. a heated heated debate. Debate. I'll say, we'll say debate. Heated debate. Yeah. Um, not emotional, <laughs> though, but more like frustrating for a couple reasons. I think one of them is we just all of a sudden started pointing out where the other person was either veering off topic instead of doing whatever, or you're we like, well, how could you say that? No, how could you say that, sir? <laughs> and it, um, it got crazy. And then this is a true story. And she and I addressed this uh, later that day and have not talked about it since. We got disconnected on Skype. Yes, that was, I, it was so funny because I literally was like, did he just hang up on me? Did I cross the line? And I, I, I think when I called you, I'm like, did I, did, I, did I cross the line? And I literally thought that you'd hung up on me. And you're the type of person that I don't feel is a hanger upper on people. <laughs> so I was like, whoa, I never thought that I'd cross a line with my friend Mick. And uh, it was, you know, I look back and now I think it's hilarious because we recorded, you know, we recorded our normal time period and then we stayed on the phone for about two hours. But I will say the last like probably 20 minutes was us talking to each other in a human way and, and basically appreciating one another, or at least how, you know, I was appreciating the fact that, hey, we can think differently, but still continue to be good friends. And I, you know, I certainly, uh, I, I don't ever see us not being friends. So I felt really good about, hey, we can agree to disagree and still be friends. And it was such a small, they were small specific scopes. Yes. Uh, and for, and, and I thought Hannah hung up on me. And, <laughs> and I did the same thing. I just, 
I just stared because we were still we were still this conversation continued. The only difference was we just stopped recording. We were yeah. on Skype. We weren't, you know, on the phone. We weren't doing anything differently. And um, I was just like, holy cow, what did I did? What, <laughs> did I cross the line? And I mean, neither one of us were like calling the other one stupid because that's what a lot of, that's that's what a lot of people do when they get frustrated or there's just no resolution is they basically start attacking each other and that's the reason we don't talk politics because we you know that's just not in our nature to just attack you know we just like you said agree to disagree on some things and they're very small things and but it it just reinforced how it's mm-hmm. just not a workplace topic uh, it's just really not a, it, I don't know yeah. who, I, it, maybe your priest, rabbi, counselor, I don't know who, if you're really frustrated with things going on in politics, which I don't know anyone that's really happy on either side of the fence, but I mean, geez Louise, I mean, we just reinforced our own policy and this yeah. was just two, two buddies that, um, you know, thank God that we've had, we've, constantly had these Skype technical issues that both of us were easily persuaded to believe that the other one did not uh, disconnect out of frustration. Because I, I don't think you did. And I promise you, I, I did not. Oh, yeah, I believe um, but, but what's funny is, Hannah, I am a recovering hanger-upper. Uh, so when I was young, Oh, when I was young and I would have those arguments with uh, significant others, uh, I used to do the hang up, the dramatic, you know, for dramatic effect, click, you know, and that was back in the day when you could slam a phone down. That was even better. You know, now I'm not going to throw down my $1,500 cell phone. But um, so that's what was even funnier about it is because I didn't know if I had ever told you stories about how I used to hang up on people. And I, I was just sitting there going, I, I I don't think she would hang up on me, but maybe I, maybe she just decided this was a, to get off the phone before things became, uh, we got to a point of no return. So God bless you, Hannah Hampton. Um, and this is one of the reasons we are such great friends, but once again, people, if you ever think there is a safe time or a safe place (laughs) in the work environment to discuss politics with someone Unless that person is your twin brother or sister and you are creepy, creepily similar, mm-hmm. I, I just don't think it's possible in this current uh, state of affairs. Yeah, so kind of uh, if you think back to advice that Nancy Reagan gave us, just say no. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, yeah, so anyway, I Hannah, I love you. Big hug. Um but I know that you were submerged deep in the HR trenches last week at a conference and some other things. And um, I was not aware of this. Do you have uh, kind of some long overdue news on something that I thought was resolved a long time ago and I was wrong? Yeah, big news. Uh, this week, uh, you know, and, and depending on when you're listening, this week is, uh, you know, we're late in September 2019, but... Uh, early this week, I think it was on Tuesday, the Department of Labor announced uh, its final ruling on the overtime rule for the minimum salary threshold 
for overtime eligibility. So finally, this is something we've been talking about for years. If you guys remember back in 2016, it came out and it was in like the 47,000 range, but uh, here we've been talking about it now since 2016, but they did finally have their final ruling and uh, effective January 1st, the threshold is going to be at $35,568. So just slightly higher than what they had proposed. It was like 35.3, but uh, they finally had their uh, final ruling. So everyone be aware of that with regards to any salaried employees. And if they're making below that, uh, being eligible for overtime, please, again, this is not legal advice for you. So do what you need to do when looking at your compensation. But I think it's it's big news in the HR community. And uh, we finally had our final ruling. And I think now we're, we're happy that it's done. And now we can just move forward and, and, and plan accordingly. Was there any mention of, you know, what attributed to I mean, that's a pretty significant drop from 47, um, you know, down to the, the 30s like that. It Did they cite any reasoning on that decision or that change? Um, or do you have that was, a, anything that on that at all? Great question. I don't. Um, I know it, it was a big jump because it back, you know, it was at 24,000 and some change. So it was a big jump going all the way up to 47. And I think that's why it became such a big deal and why it didn't go through. And again, like, please don't cite me for any uh, factual information, but uh, I, it, it was a big jump. And I think that's what partially stopped it from, from taking effect in 2016. But I don't, that's a really great question. I haven't dug too deep into this topic. So that'd be interesting to see kind of the why behind it. So that's a really great question. So if I'm understanding this correctly, I mean, basically, is it it's still 40 hours, anything above 40 hours is what's being considered overtime in one week. Is that correct? That is well, uh, yes, but there are other, you know, check with your, your local, your state and local laws, because some states have different laws where it could, you know, it could be. They could have daily thresholds. Right. So many hours in one day, mm -hmm. even if they're working less than 40 hours, if if there's yeah. laws that if you're working more so many hours in one day, anything over X amount of hours is considered time and a half, et cetera. Right. Right. So just check with your, your local laws on that, because, um, you know, there are different laws in different spaces. But just be mindful, again, of any employee salaried employee that's making under that threshold as they uh, will be eligible for overtime. So make sure that you're just following the appropriate rules and you're comp compensating people appropriately. Yeah, I do recall back when that number was much higher, mm -hmm. uh, it was something that was really going to impact, you know, hospitality, retail right. managers and companies. It, it just kills me how reactionary some companies can be and they're even reactionary when they're claiming to be proactive and they'll scramble to make all these policy changes on things that don't take place and then they'll turn around and they'll change all these policies and we'll have all these late night mm -hmm. meetings to discuss how it'll impact things and how we'll you know sometimes changing a complete structure of a business like uh, let's use a restaurant for example to say okay well we'll only make our general manager's salaried 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and then all of their support managers will now be hourly. And I've seen it happen. And, and this is something that many, many moons ago, there was a uh, something that was a similar ruling in hospitality that was uh, tied to a class action lawsuit right. against Taco Bell. I think it was back in the late 90s, early 2000. And so a lot of restaurant groups reacted to that based the companies as uh, uh, impacted in California first because California was going to do its own ruling. So there, there were a lot of hospitality groups that only the general manager was salaried. And right. And to like think that. about that too, think about the duties tests for the specific roles. I've seen other uh, out there class action lawsuits because while managers were getting paid salaries and were exempt from overtime, it found they found out that some of the, most of the duties or many times some of the shifts they were working, they were not doing manager duties, but actually working duties that an hourly employee would make. So again, you want to make sure not only you know you're looking at the compensation, but you're looking at you know you're taking you're looking at the jobs themselves and ensuring that they are classified correctly. So there's a lot that goes into it than just compensation. So make sure that you're spending the time uh, reviewing you know the the duties of what people are doing and uh, so that you're compliant in all areas. Outstanding. And then I've got something that's, um, I'm going to call it a Hannah Hampton question that I was really surprised we haven't received it, uh, this question in any of our listener emails. Uh, I just started listening to uh, the Tina Fey book, uh, Bossy Pants. And I really think Tina Fey's hilarious. And so I'm like, you know, 30 Rock was such a great show. And it was one of those shows I watched, you know, here and there. And so I started watching 30 Rock. And I thought of you, Hannah, because I was watching. It's in the first season. And I'm watching this episode. They're in the writer's room. And all the writers, it's, you know, the camera's on the table of all the writers. And you see them all staring in one direction. And they're not paying attention to anything that, that uh, Tina Fey's character is saying in their meeting. And she looks over. Her, and it's, Lemon. Her yeah, <laughs> so they're totally ignoring Liz. And uh, they're all staring in the same direction. And, of course, as she looks over, the camera pans over. And their uh, admin assistant is incredibly scantily clad um and she's bending down and they can see right down her shirt and you know liz rolls her eyes and tries to get their attention and then the next meeting she's got an even more insanely revealing outfit on um and she's of course like got this you know 21 year old supermodel body and then the third meeting same thing so finally liz is like i've got to talk to her someone has to talk to her and of course all the male writers are like no no don't don't are you kidding me i have nothing else to live for but seeing how she comes in but that addresses uh you know that brings up a topic that um, and I know you work in a very progressive work environment uh, on the, in the tech industry that I don't even know if you have an actual uh, dress code policy. So first off, how do you address uh, something like someone that's dressing inappropriately enough that it's distracting right. and you know, on top of that, how do you address it if there is no policy that directly discusses it? Sure. I mean, so 
to talk about my work environment. Yes, I do work in an environment where there's no uh, explicit dress code. You know, we want people to be comfortable and be able to uh, get the work done in, in an environment that they're comfortable in. So certainly I would, I would really call it more of a casual work environment than anything. So people wear, there's a lot of t-shirts. Uh, people wear t-shirts on a regular basis, t-shirt jeans, maybe even t-shirt sweatpants, shorts, all of that. And it's funny because I, you know, I've been in the workforce for quite some time and I have to say I've, been in environments that run the gamut from, you know, business casual to business formal, where I've been in environments wearing suits. So it definitely is a little bit uh, different getting used to the fact that, hey, there's no rules around it. But yeah, that is a really great question on how you address it, because there's a couple of things to think about. Number one, if you do have a policy, make sure that that policy is written where you're not uh, applying rules unfairly to one gender or another, you know, so um, you can't like require ladies must wear high heels and makeup like those types of things you can't you can't do because you're not requiring men to wear specific, you know, types of shoes and or cosmetics if you choose not to wear that. But addressing uh, dress code when you don't have a policy, you just, I'd say use really good judgment. So I would, I would say, think about what type of uh, t-shirt someone's wearing. If it could be particularly offensive to someone, then I'd have a conversation of, hey, yes, I know we have no policy, but certainly we want to be in an environment free from any harassment or discrimination and ensuring that the, uh, what you're wearing is not could be deemed offensive or anything like that. So now with regards to uh, when, with regards to somebody dressing scantily, scantily clad, uh, that's a tough one, especially if you don't have a dress code because, you know, what might be a little racy to one person may not be racy to another person. So I would say use your best judgment on behaviors around, I would address more behaviors rather than the dress code initially, because if, if, if people are getting distracted or there's inappropriate behaviors along with it, that's what I'd want to address. I, I feel like that's a, that's a really tough question. And I, I have to say, I have personally have not encountered having deal, to deal with somebody who's dressed racially. I have had to deal with people who are dressed sloppily or even, you know, there might have been a uh, body odor issue. But with regards to a racy individual, I haven't I haven't had to deal with that one. So listeners, I'd love to hear from you. Like, what are some of the experiences you've had with regards to dress code uh, or inappropriate dress in the workplace? Please, listeners, don't get mad at me for saying this, because mm. please take everything uh, I say at times, unless I'm being, you know, it's a very serious conversation with a grain of salt. But I always felt like you mentioned not having to deal uh, with uh, scantily clad issues. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like it's almost like it's a, it's something in the universe that it's the same as nude beaches. Right. You know, the people that you want to dress scantily clad, and I am putting that in quotes <laughs> as want to see, are never the ones that do, just like it's never the hot people that are naked at the nude beaches, right? Mm -hmm. um, I can't give you a hard time for 
limiting your answer a little bit because before I, I've worked in environments where the rule of thumb was if it's distracting. That's really setting yourself up for failure by saying, you know, you dressing that way is distracting because those are no longer acceptable uh, rules or guidelines. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Because there's it, then you're looking at, are we body shaming? Are we favoring something over the other? Is it distracting because that's not someone you want to see in that type of thing? So other than uh, addressing a length of something above the knee mm -hmm. or neckline, it's a really slippery slope. Those are, well, it's like you're walking into a landmine yes. uh, with that topic. Well, you know, and certainly, you know, I have worked in places where the dress code addresses that, where it's, you know, expectation is not, you know, not overly low cut shirts and uh, skirts should be at a minimum length. So certainly I think workplaces address that, uh, that type of thing, especially I'd say if you're in a public facing role, be it retail, be it a restaurant. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things where if you don't have a dress code policy, it does it does get tricky. But I also like to look at it like this. If you're in an environment we're we're all adults and I think that people should I always tell people just use your use good judgment. And people say to me, well, what does that mean? That means different things for different folks. And I'm like, of course, it certainly does. But I, I trust my team. I trust uh, my employees in my company. So certainly I feel like the using good judgment has worked. Is it, that's bode well for, for us. So I think that that's an, another good way to look at it. I, I, I think sometimes people do struggle when it's not a black and white thing. Like, hey, the handbook says no low cut shirts. Well, that's low cut. But I also think, well, what's low cut to one may not be low cut to another. Because I, I, I see dresses on the runway or dresses on the red carpet where the neckline is cut down to the navel. And that's that's like an extremely low cut dress. So uh, then comparatively speaking, one that does show quite a bit of cleavage, it's not as low cut as, a, as one that goes to the navel. So again, it's all about perspective and all about... Uh, uh, what's what's right for one isn't right for others. So it's it's a trick. It's a very very tricky subject. You know, I could already hear people going common sense. What do you mean? But here's how I look at it. Mm. And, and then I've got a quick follow up. I look at it this way: if your attire um, receives a reaction on the train to and from work mm. or whatever, if you're receiving a reaction from people that do not know you at all then maybe you should just, you know, give it a second look. It doesn't mean you need to change it, but I think that anything that would be distracting in the office would probably be distracting in the streets. So if you're getting catcalls or heckled or whatever, um, then maybe that's when you should look at it. But you're right. I mean, it's something, it's so, it's so dangerous to even talk about it. And of course, if you end up rolling out a, a policy you can never you've got to make sure it's done in such a discreet and professional manner that right. it's never attributed to one person because i've seen that happen before and it was just like oh my gosh why would they do it that way there are, i mean this that's beyond embarrassing a person that's right. hurtful 
right? You know, inintentional or unintentional or not, you know, you've got to use discretion and you can't say because of recent issues we've had, you've just got to say, hey, we've decided to uh, make some changes and throw some other changes in there and include uh, a policy. But you brought something up earlier that we'll, we'll try to make this one sweet and short, mm-hmm. but you mentioned that you cannot tell associates wear heels, make sure you wear makeup for meetings. And I know that you and I have both seen this happen before where, and it wasn't addressed. Um, What, what are your thoughts on that mentality and people that still have those policies with the wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and try to, you know, uh, they're basically getting away with something that is not appropriate. How did you feel the last time you received an email that told you, instead of just saying, look sharp for this meeting, mm-hmm. it said, you know, you represent this department. I expect you to dress a certain way. You know, ladies, wear your your makeup, not too much, just enough. Have your hair look professional. Mm-hmm. Gentlemen, you know, you should have your best ties on, shirts pressed, et cetera. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Because I know it yeah. happens. You and I have seen it. Yes. You know, here's the thing. It's definitely not appropriate to require somebody, uh, you know, a a specific uh, gender to wear makeup or heels because, you know, again, you can't fairly, you can't fairly apply that across the board. Uh, So it's, it's one of those things where you, you, you can't do it. I think what you need to do, you, you kind of, you touched on it. It's just dress sharp, you know, Hey everyone, it's, it's a meeting. I just want everyone to, to look, you know, look your best. And even that, like, you know, it's, it's kind of touchy to tell somebody, hey, to look your best, because then you're implying that they don't always look their best. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, it's, it's funny because it's true. Yeah. But I would just say, hey, you know, I'd remind people, hey, you know, just don't don't forget about the audience that you're, you know, we're going to be in front of executives. So just keep that in mind when uh, preparing for the day. And I would leave it at that. And, and you can't because you can't require somebody to wear makeup, because what if you're somebody who is makeup free? I think about Alicia Keys is a performer out there and she has decided to live her life makeup free and I think more power to her. And some people don't wanna spend the money, don't wanna learn how to do it. And certainly I wouldn't want somebody who doesn't wear makeup to try to wear makeup because A, that would be frustrating and B, who knows what kind of uh, thing you'd end up with and that's more of a joke than anything. But no, truly, I, I don't think requiring somebody to do something in that area is it's not appropriate because sometimes people don't want to wear makeup or maybe they're allergic to makeup maybe they have sensitive skin and and can't put that on their skin or maybe they don't you know they they have foot problems so they can't wear high heels there's medical reasons why people don't wear heels i mean there's a lot of reasons why you can't require somebody to do that unless it's a bona fide you know work qualified it's a bona fide like uh be what is it but Bonafide uh, occupational requirements, or what? I, you know, I always mess up what that's called. But you can't require somebody to do that, especially when it's just for a meeting. So I always say, don't, you know, think about if you can't apply it fairly across the board, and if it's not truly a work requirement, don't make somebody do it. <laughs> I totally agree. I mean, if I was uh, exposed to that at this point in my career, I would. You know, if it was you and I together in a company and that memo went out, I would say, you know what, Hannah, I want to get ready for the meeting with you in your hotel room or if it's, you know, at your house. 
um, because I want you to apply all those guidelines to me. And I would go mm-hmm. to the meeting that way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, I would challenge anyone that, um, you know, try to uh, uh, discipline me for that that action, because I think that's uh, that's almost the kind of steps we have to take sometimes to uh, grab people by the shoulders and make them think that, you know, that was that really appropriate? Yeah, absolutely. And again, like I it's, it's one of those things that's it's, it's a it's a personal thing. If you want to wear makeup, if you want to wear jewelry, if you want to wear high heels. And I certainly I am the type of person like I love I love me some fashion and, and things of that nature. So it's something that I uh, do on a regular basis. But I don't expect other people to do the same thing. And, uh, you know, I, I would never expect somebody to, you know, be, I say, be just like me. I think that's really inappropriate. And we should be welcoming to everyone and, and how they want to, uh, you know, how they want to live their lives. And if it's without makeup, it's without makeup and more power to them. And they'll probably end up with less wrinkles and, and you know, clogged pores and all that stuff. So, um, you know, and, and I know that's really just like touching the surface, but I uh, think that you just need to be mindful about those types of requirements. Well, I think that's a great way to close. So think about it. Hannah Hampton decked out in her Gucci looking sharp <laughs> and Mick Danzig in a dress. 